All of the opinions expressed in this podcast are ours alone and are not intended to offend or disrespect any of the parties involved. We're just two people who know how to research stuff on Google and then talk about it. We don't have any legal education and therefore shouldn't be taken too seriously. So don't try to sue us. We couldn't afford to pay you anyway. Additionally, this podcast is about murder and will probably contain many other adult themes. So if that's not your thing, probably going to have a bad time. So listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Allegedly, where we apparently record our episodes out of order, so I can't remember what the heck we were talking about last week. Wow, Heather, you're really showing those 15 months you have on me, huh? (laughs) I'm Heather. And I'm Mike. And this week, we're going to be diving into the very convoluted, complicated, and confusing Noida double murders of Arushi Talwar and Hemraj Benjade. However, at the time of this recording, let's just go ahead and say it, we're uh, in the United States, and yesterday was election day, so I'd rather talk for two or three hours about anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Anything other than politics. Anything else. So if you're like us, this is going to be perfect. Go listen to all of our other episodes if you don't want to watch the news. Well, they'll be listening to this, though, a couple of weeks removed, right? I think we'll be no, a, like a week two, and a half away weeks. or two weeks matter. on election day. They will still be counting. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so you have What was the meme be- you just read, what's taking so long <laughs> oh, for Alaska? <laughs> there are five people yeah, and it was polar like, bears. <laughs> Alaska, what's taking you so long? You have five people and two polar bears. <laughs> so. Well, it is because it's the day after election day. Yes. So 24 hours plus since polls have closed. Yes. And we're we're still counting, and it's still, you know, the 24-hour news cycle has turned into 48, and it'll be 72, and yes. they're talking about the this end of this week. This election is going to take about week. as long as one of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if we're talking about this for too much longer. So hopefully this is a nice escape for all of you. Yes. And let me just go ahead and say the rule here first, because I'm going to go ahead and pull the birthday card. It's my birthday today. It is Heather's so birthday So you today. have to agree with everything I say, and you can't argue or be mean to me. So for all of you who have enjoyed listening to this podcast so far, go ahead and turn this episode off now. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you think that there is any the chance rule. at all that I am going to just agree with Heather. I am your elder, birthday, boy. Yes, I know, Nana, but we're going <laughs> to... We're still going to go ahead with uh, the format we've established. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The Golden Girls references are going to get out of hand. Oh, really heavy. Yeah. I've already got my knit blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Which you'll see in the Instagram post about. I'm already getting old and crotchety. (laughs) I mean, I was already old and crotchety. That's true. Okay, so anyway. The Noida double murders. Yes. Very serious stuff. We should stop laughing. Yeah. It's another one of those cases where we could try to lay it out for you in a way that you'll understand, but... Well, we're certainly going to try. Don't understand. Yeah, we're certainly going to try to do it that way, but we're not making any promises. No. Yeah, so this place takes... This This place place takes takes case. This... This case takes place... There we go. This case takes place in Noida, India. So, I was going to say there's not a lot online, but there's actually kind of like pretty extensive reports, but you really have to dig through it, and it's all kind of translated. 
and different accounts and things. I do want to plug a channel though before we get started because I first heard of this case at the beginning of this year and was just enthralled. One of my very, very favorite true crime YouTubers, Georgia Marie on YouTube, she covered this case. I think she posted it like a year ago, but I listened to it probably like 10 months ago or so. And What a um, hipster. You couldn't listen to it when it first came out. You no, had to wait had to two wait. months. Yeah, I actually just found her this year, so that's why. But she is the only person I have seen ever cover this case. And if you guys really want an in-depth look, if maybe we missed anything or you just want a different perspective after you listen to this podcast. Right. Yeah, always Yeah, go after. listen to that with our opinions <laughs> yeah. already in your head. But yeah, go give her a listen. She is one of the most respectful YouTubers out there for sure and the most in-depth, I believe. So. Well, and it definitely, she definitely makes it interesting and mm-hmm. she definitely gives you enough to kind of hook you in and yeah. make you want to know a little bit more because you introduced me to this case through her video, yeah, maybe six months ago now, right before we even started oh God, yeah, all of this, yeah, because we, we had come together. back from the movies that day, so the movies had to yeah, have been open. The movies were still open pre-pandemic that we can't say the name of. I don't think right pre uh, pre shutdowns. Right. Okay, so let's get in because <laughs> otherwise it'll be a three-hour episode. We have another three-hour episode coming your way, by the way. Next week. (laughs) Next Next week's episode, which we recorded out of order, and that's why Nana over here got confused uh, about what episodes were coming out when, even though it was her idea to record these two out of order. It's fine. Okay, so Arushi Talwar and Hemraj Benjade are the two victims in this case. So we're going to start with the Talwar family. So Rajesh Talwar and Nipur Talwar met in, like, dental school, like, dental college, college of the dentistry, whatever. So they met there, and they started dating, and then they married, like, directly after their graduation in 1989, and I'm not sure about Nippur, but I know Rajesh went on to get a master's in dentistry as well, so they were both renowned dentists, and, like, like, highly sought-after dentists. So they moved to Noida, and they opened up a practice. They both worked for this practice with another couple. In addition to that, Rajesh also was the head of dentistry at a local hospital there. So they also took appointments at the hospital. I hope you can hear that rustling because Mike is opening something. <laughs> I keep telling you not to get crunchy snacks. It's so not- this time you got a snack that now I have to sit here. You're like one of those people in the movie theater where it's like, just rip the candy bag open. <laughs> I don't want to hear you fiddling with it for two whole minutes. But I, I just want to go on the record saying I was opening the wrapper under the table, and I don't think that it could be heard at all, so you're yeah, going to sound below. like a crazy person. Comment below <laughs> and tell us. It doesn't me. matter. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone in the movie theater like has oh, I know their what open, you're talking they're about. opening their raisinets or their their crunchy crunch crunch a bunch a bunch of crunches whatever the little bags in the box and you just hear and then like it's like just open the just open the bag do they even make bunch of crunch anymore of course or do, do you just really like severely date both of us that we know <laughs> what bunch of crunch are of course they have bunch of crunch are you sure Yes. I haven't seen Bunch of Crunch. Like, I'll see Crunch bars. No, they have Bunch of Crunch. And the reason that you don't remember is because we haven't been to the movies. <laughs> anyway, back to Noida. Okay, so Rajesh and Nippur are married. They've moved. They've started their own dentistry practice. And 
They are currently living in Noida, highly renowned. Life is good, except for the fact that, unfortunately, they're unable to conceive. But after five years of giving it the good old college try, and I believe some IVF treatments, they were able to get pregnant and eventually gave birth to a Rushitalwar on May 24th of 1994. By all of the accounts that I read, Arushi had a really loving relationship with her parents. They were even, even some people had said that, you know, they could see her walking around with Nippur, her mother, down the street, like, holding hands with her. Like, they were just very loving. And another another one of the family friends had said that Nippur was Arushi's confidant, that, you know, as a, a young preteen, that she was, you know, she told her mom everything. They had that kind of mother-daughter relationship. So nothing really muck there, just kind of normal, loving family, and obviously they wanted a child, so. Right. Yeah. They obviously were on the wealthier side, being dentists, so they were able to hire uh, staff for their home. One of them was like a, a live-in, not a nanny, what would you... Yeah, everything just kind of referred to him as domestic help because it seemed like he prepared meals, but he also ran errands. But then they yeah. also had a housemaid separately, so he wasn't. Yeah, so they had like a. Yeah, that's so weird. Domestic help is probably the best term we could use. We really can't specify what is. Yeah, and and you wouldn't really call him were. a nanny because by the time that he was there, I mean, Arushi was thirteen by this point when he entered. So not a not yeah, a babysitter, 12 or 13 not a nanny. by the time he gets there. Yeah, so just somebody that I think probably on a day-to-day basis did the chores and fixed the meals and but in any case, he was a, a live-in. I right, think. that I mean that's I really the important. I hate to call somebody part. a servant. I just can't think of a better word. No, I mean they even refer to like, yeah. you know, his quarters were the servants' quarters. They have the servants' restroom. Mm-hmm. So. so, and his name was Hemraj Benjade and he was 45 at this time. We're fast-forwarding now to the year uh, 2008. So they'd had hired help before then, but at this point in 2008, Hemraj Banjade is the current help that resides at their Noida apartment. And he had been there just shy of a year, right? Eight so or nine months? At the like time that. of the incident, he had been there like, some reports said eight months, ten months, and I saw a year. So we let's just go ahead and say like anywhere between eight to twelve months, right. he'd already been residing there. So... There is not really anything on Hemraj other than his name is actually Yam Prasad Banjade. I'm not sure what Hemraj is like short for, but that's what he goes by. He had moved to Noida from Nepal. And he actually, I had seen an account that he had moved to India when he was 12. Like he had moved to Delhi. I'm not, I'm not sure. But yeah, he, I couldn't find very much on him at all. But his wife was from Nepal and lived in Nepal. He was married. His wife's name is Kamkala, and they had a son who I couldn't find the name of. And their family was very poor. His wife even went on record to say that they really couldn't even afford phone calls to each other, that he mainly just wrote her letters. And, of course, from his job helping the Talwars, was able to send her and their son money to help them live. Right. And that's pretty much all there is unfortunately and again though this is a, a foreign case for us so it is also really hard to find information on those people anyway or at least find anything that's translated into english right so this brings us to may 15th of 2008 
Well, actually, before we get to this day, I guess we should probably lay out the apartment that everyone is living in. Yeah, because this is so confusing. And I mean, maybe, maybe in India it wouldn't be. Mm. But, you know, we even commented on this when we watched that video together a few months ago before mm. we knew we'd even be doing this at all. Yeah, the door Let alone situation. discussing yeah. the case. Just the doors, because there's like three different doors right. that are discussed just at the front of the apartment. Yeah, so the apartment is set up in such a way, I'm actually going to bring up the picture that I can see it to make sure that I've got this all right. Okay, so, okay, that's exactly what I thought it was. All right. Everyone close your eyes. You are standing at a door. Okay, so if you picture yourself facing the entrance of an apartment, there is a door, and it's not like a sealed door. It's one of those, like, what do you call them? You know what I'm... I have no screen, idea. Screen, screen doors. Door. Okay. I, I believe. Okay, so you have the main door to the front, but when you open that front door, you're now in, I guess, a very small covered porch or entryway, and that leads you to another door. And on your right would also be another door. So um, you're already going to be losing people right now. Okay. So you walk through the first. It's the like the outermost, basically like a gate. So all you see of... is an apartment. There is one door. We open that door. Right, and it's like a you gate are now or a standing screen in, or something yes, like that. Yes, you are now standing in a very small entryway. In front of you is a door, and to your right is a door. If you were to open the door on your right, that goes directly into Hemraj's living quarters. If you open the door in front of you, that brings you to another small entryway with another door in front of you that leads to the apartment itself. All right, so quick summation. Yes. For the people like me, who that was already confusing. <laughs> okay, so when you open the first entrance, the first the entryway first entrance. Uh-huh. is like an outermost gate. Yes. Okay, then... When you get through there, the one directly in front of you, I kept seeing referred to as like a grill door. It was a middle grill door. Yeah, it was between the outermost. Like, think of it as like a screen door. It wasn't a screen. It's a. They call it a grill, but think of it right, as a so screen door. Right, so I'm thinking it's yeah. like a gate and then kind of like a mesh type door or something. Yeah. And then all the way inside is this innermost door. It's yes. a wooden door, like a normal front door. The and front that door goes of the into house. the apartment. Yes. Then... That door that's off to the side, just inside the first gate, yes, is the door into Hemraj's room, yes, so, which has another room into the house as well. Right. So basically, what it is is that you can enter Hemraj's room from the first entryway, but Hemraj also has a door into the house, right, which is next to the front door. So Hemraj's room is at the front of the house. So from Hemraj's room. Or, from the front door, you would be facing into the rest of the house. The living room, or the living area, would be on your right. And then the dining area would be on your left. Yeah, the dining table is basically right there. Like, on your left as you come in the front door. And the kitchen. So, when you walk from the front door, on your left, the dining room. On your right, the living room. When you continue down, you there's a hallway. And on the right is Arushi's bedroom. And then sharing a small corner of the wall, if you're still going straight ahead, you pass Arushi's room on the right. You're heading straight into Rajesh and Nippur's bedroom. Now, if you were back in the hallway and Nippur and Rajesh's bedroom is 
in front of you, Arushi's room is to the right of you. To the left is, like, that's where the terrace would be, above it. Right. Right. And I believe that the stairway, the stairwell is outside. That's how I, that's the impression I got as well. Yes, there's a, there's a door from the inside that takes you to the stairwell. Right. Right. And just, also, their apartment is on the second floor of, not, it's not really like an apartment building, but in the apartment complex, mm-hmm. their apartment's on the second floor. So there's actually a flight of stairs that goes up to that first yeah. entry, you know, the outermost gate that we've talked about. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be hard. If you can't see it, then it's going to be difficult to, to understand. Even looking at it is a little difficult to understand, but just try to follow <laughs> if you can. And you know what? If, if you are really wanting to be able to see it, if you do a, a Google search for the layout yeah, of this you apartment, can you it. can find the image because we we both found yeah. images of this. So. Right. So, okay, fast forwarding to May 15th of 2008. It's a normal day on all accounts for everyone in the Talwar home. So Rajesh and Nipur have gone to work that day at their respective dentistry, either their shared office or the hospital, and then Arushi goes to school. Nipur picks up Arushi from school, comes to the house, and they have lunch with, I believe, a family friend, two of them. It's really irrelevant, but they have lunch that afternoon. And it, was then, a, it was some type of a relative by marriage or something. something I saw like something that. about it being a sister-in-law yeah. or something. It was But odd. everyone leaves, and then Nippur leaves to go back to another shift at work, leaving a rushing home. Okay, so just because it's, a little, it's confusing to you as far as, like, what her parents do. Mm-hmm. So... They have the clinic right. that they where they practice together with another couple. With another couple, another married and they, couple. And the way it was odd too, because they would basically have like Nippur when she would work, she would work with the husband from the other couple, and they would work the same shift. Yeah. And then Rajesh would with, yeah, with the wife the, of the other couple. When the they other were couple's there. name is Anita and Pratul Durrani. They're husband and wife, and they kind of they yeah they kind of like. Swap. Right, so they're basically, but they always have a male and a female working in the office. Right, at the office that they both. But it's never, it's not the married couple that works together. It's always one from each. And I guess that's a small piece that will come into play, I guess. Yeah, and then, so Nippur was working at the clinic in the morning, and then I believe she's at the hospital in the afternoon after the lunch. Yeah, she works from like. Five to seven or something like that is what her like in the evening. She only she works very short like evening shifts. Yeah, at the hospital yeah. when they're just seeing a few patients, and then Rajesh was teaching in the morning, mm-hmm. and then was at the clinic from I think what I found was about three thirty until eight thirty. Somewhere around there, yeah. So so that evening after Nippur goes out for her second shift from work, she returns back at the apartment at 7.30 p.m. And then shortly after, around 9.30, the driver, which is another hired assistant, he's the driver for the family, Umesh Sharma, drops Rajesh in front of the apartment, and Rajesh enters the apartment, and Sharma, the driver, takes their car to... Uh, a family-owned garage. Yeah, it's actually Nippur's parents' house yeah. has a garage attached, but Nippur and Rajesh yeah. didn't have a garage so I guess at he their like, apartment. <laughs> side note, I guess he just, like, drops his car and then, like, what, 
like pieces out like hey oh, i'm walking like <laughs> yeah because because he, <laughs> he drops rajesh off yeah. goes to park the car they say it's within and walking then, like, distance walks. yeah and but then, then how does he get home the car you have keys to... back too yeah. so does he just like walk home or do they have buses i'm not sure i'm but sure it they makes have me feel bad a, for him i'm sure so, they have some sort of public transport but it is odd that he's driving around all day and you're making him if he's driving you every time you're in the car anyway what's the point of him yeah, parking it just in this let him take the car to, home right you're obviously not driving right. it and you've <laughs> hired someone to drive it for you yeah so uma sharma drops rajesh off to the apartment at 9 30 rajesh goes inside sharma brings his car to a family-owned garage and then gets out of the car with his bag and his keys walks back to the Talwar apartment and hands the bag and keys to Hemraj. He can either he can see in or is at the front entryway, so he can see that Nippur and Arushi are at the table having dinner. Hemraj has opened the door, taking the keys and bag from him, and he can see Rajesh walking out into the main living quarters from his bedroom. So at this point in time, Everyone is alive and well. And this all took having dinner. about 10 minutes. Yes, he, he returned back at 940. 930. Right. So our last sighting of every single person in good health that can be confirmed is the driver seeing them at 940 p.m. on May 15th. So after that, obviously, things are a little fuzzy and can only be based on the testimony of those still living and what can be found through cell phone records and camera records. So, like I had said before, she was born on May 24th, and we're currently at May 15th, so we're only nine days shy of Arushi's 14th birthday. That very afternoon, a camera that Rajesh had ordered arrived at the home. Hemraj took it in and left the parcel sitting there. So, Nippur talked Rajesh into giving Arushi this camera as an early birthday gift. They had ordered it for her birthday, but decided they couldn't wait and they wanted to give it to her then. So, a fancy schmancy new digital camera. They gifted to her. This can be confirmed because there are multiple photos taken of Arushi and her parents. So, they're still alive past 10 o'clock. Right, the last photo was at 1010 10, 10, right. So I'll just make note of this really quickly. I think it's something that you can just brush off. Obviously, and especially at this point in time in 2008, there's a timestamp on the bottom of photos, and the sequence of it is out of... There's pictures missing in the sequence. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Right, to so... Talk about a later. Oh, okay. I thought it was a moot point, but okay. No, I think it. I think it's interesting. I guess okay. we'll, that'll be part of our okay. debate. Okay. But yeah, I do have a little bit about that later. So there are pictures confirming that, yes, she received the camera. She took pictures of herself, her family, and that there were pictures deleted, removed from the camera. After that, the next thing is going to be that Arushi is in her bedroom. Rajesh asks Nippur to go and turn on the router. The router is in Arushi's room, and Arushi's room... This is another weird thing with the doors, man. I don't know what's going on. Her door locks automatically. So she can, it can only be opened from the inside of the room, or it can only be entered with a key from the outside of the room. And that key is kept on Nippur's nightstand in, her, in their bedroom. Yeah, I think, I, yeah. I feel like doors is going to be the drinking game word this time. Because yes. it's, they come so much into play and there are so many things that are so right. weird about them so i guess this may be of particular note because nippur doesn't say that she 
knocked or anything like that, that a, like Arushi let her in the room, which I guess would lead one to believe that she must have unlocked the door to get into Arushi's room at that point in time to turn on the internet router. Right. Just a side note. Because she says she entered Arushi's bedroom and Arushi was obviously still alive and well and reading a book. So she turned... Allegedly. Yeah. This, well, this is what she's saying. Right. So she goes to the room. She's reading a book. So this is at 11 p.m. So she turns on the internet router for Rajesh. Arushi is alive and reading. Reading the three mistakes of my life in yeah. case anyone's looking for a book to read before bed. Yeah, it's about, like, three friends that try to, like, open some type of shop. Yeah, it's really... Well, if they weren't okay. intrigued before, <laughs> they'll be rushing to buy a copy now. You're right, yeah. So, as far as the internet searches go, there wasn't anything, like, of note, like, nothing sinister, like how to make chloroform. <laughs> Casey Anthony. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. <laughs> She's litigious, so... <laughs> maybe Sam cut that out. <laughs> so... Yeah, the internet searches were nothing of note, some dentistry things, stuff like that. And stocks and things yeah. like that. Yeah, he did send a final email at 11.41 p.m. There is also a phone call that comes in on the landline from the United States. Yeah, I want to know what that's about. And the landline is in, the so the house phone is in Rajesh's bedroom. Yeah, what is the layout of this apartment that the internet router is in? The, yeah. the smaller bedroom, and then the landline phone is in the the master I bedroom, I guess. Like, I how is... I don't understand. I don't... I don't know. I don't know. So, now we're reaching midnight. And from phone records, you can see that Arushi's phone receives a phone call from... Uh, his name is Anmol. Anmol. He's a male friend of Arushi's. Her phone receives the call, but it isn't answered. Then shortly after that, Ann Maul calls the landline. That is also not answered. So both phones ring, neither is answered. Now Ann Maul sends a text message to Arushi's cell phone. Now that is not received by her cell phone, which obviously if you're not familiar, which would mean the cell phone had to have been turned off at that point. Yeah, if well, it's, it's not off, received. Or bad yeah, service. Off, so, dead, yeah. bad signal. And then... It doesn't say what, this isn't clear, but the very last hit on the router or internet usage is at 12.08 a.m. And that's not on the, from what I could see, was not on one of the computers because they had a desktop and a laptop. Mm -hmm. And that email at 11.40-ish is the last activity on the computers. Mm -hmm. So then we have 12.08 a.m., I guess the best guess is that it's yep. internet access through a phone. That's either messed up or they weren't clear on what exactly that last internet usage is. Or maybe that was the postmark on the email and maybe that was messed up. It was up. like just... Either way... It was in the outbox yeah. for and 20 minutes or something? Yeah, and it's assumed that it was Rajesh that was using the internet. Right. One last thing on that particular night going back... Hemraj also receives a call around 8.30 p.m. on his phone from, like, a public or pay phone that's about a mile away from the apartment. Yeah, a kilometer. Yeah. Well, we're in the States. We're going to say about a mile. Well, I just, I'm just saying they use metric anyway, over there. Anyway, in very close proximity to the apartment. So because it's a public phone, they were able to trace where the call came from, but obviously can't trace who made it. 
And I believe that that phone call was several minutes long. It was like six minutes long or something like that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I have, I have that down a little bit later, too. Mm, well. Because <laughs> <laughs> the phone records also become very important in this case. Right. So that brings us to the morning of May 16th when there is a knock at the door. Yeah, so dun, from... Dun. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, Dick Wolf's going to be coming after us. <laughs> so really there's These no... These crimes are considered especially heinous. <laughs> there's a... Uh, no certainty about anything between midnight and, and 6 a.m. Yeah, nothing between the last internet usage and this knock on the door. Right. Yeah, anything is like up in the air between that time. So at 6 a.m., the housemaid, when she would get there, and now she was only hired about six days before Prior to this, this incident, yeah. yeah. So, but usually when she would get there at 6 in the morning, Hemorrhage would open the door for her because the Talwars were late risers. So she rings the doorbell at 6 a.m., but no one answers. Mm -hmm. And she rings it a second time, and no one answers. Mm -hmm. She tries pushing this outermost gate, the first door, but it doesn't open. So she rings a third time. Which I actually believe can just be pushed open. Does that one even need a key? That, it comes up later. Okay. There's conflicting reports about how that all works and yeah right. it's, it's odd again these doors whoever if anybody's playing this drinking game they're in big trouble because we've said doors so many times already so she tries to uh, push it open it does not open um so she rings a third time and then napur opens that innermost door so the now door from her home. She's like right, yeah, walking out like her home. All the way in wooden door that goes into right. the apartment. So now they've got this middle grill door mm-hmm. still closed in between them. Right. And they're several feet apart. Mm-hmm. This whole, you know, the porch area, essentially. Uh, so Napur tells Barati through the grill door that the door is locked from the outside. I believe she's talking about that first door. But who knows? Right. Whatever. She's just saying the door locked from the outside. But I believe she's talking about that outermost gate, the door that Barati is standing at. Yeah. Has been locked from the Honestly, outside. Honestly, to make this whole thing easier, there is a door that needs to be opened <laughs> for the maid to come in. But the problem she is... She cannot open it. <laughs> and Napur is telling her, well, it's locked. Now, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me either. When they talk about it being locked from the outside, mm-hmm. like... I, and I guess maybe things are just very different, and maybe if there's somebody who's familiar with Indian architecture, maybe I sound really ignorant, but it, should it matter how it was locked? I mean, like, when we lock our front doors from outside, you can unlock it from the inside if you need to, or you can unlock it from outside with the I, key I as well. Know. So whether it was locked from inside or outside, you should still be... I just... It doesn't... I don't... I'm just very confused by how the doors work in this apartment. Yeah. So. You, me, and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently so was Napur. And I don't think I'm making it any better. <laughs> no. But, um, so, uh, Napur asks Barati where Hemraj is, which is a weird question to ask somebody who has just shown up at your home and is still waiting outside. Right. Um, so obviously Barati says that she doesn't know. So Napur says, oh, well, he must have gone to get milk. And locked that door from the outside. So just wait here until he comes back. Yeah. Barati does not want to just stand there waiting for Hemraj to come back. So she asked Napur to throw her the keys 
So then Nippur says, okay, we'll go downstairs and I'll throw the keys from the balcony, just be able to kind of drop them down to you. Then Nippur tries to call Hamraj's cell phone. Mm-hmm. But the call, it's answered and then abruptly cut off. It lasts like two seconds, mm-hmm. I believe, according to the phone records. Yeah. And then she tries to call again, and it doesn't go through at all. So it seems like it's been turned off or died or whatever. So the call goes through at first. It's picked up two seconds, cut off really quick. And then another call immediately following that doesn't go through. Uh, so Barati makes it downstairs, and Nippur asks her to go back. And check to see if the door... She makes it upstairs to get these keys. No, she makes it downstairs to get... So that they can come from the balcony. Remember, she's gone down the stairs now to wait for the keys to be dropped. Oh, okay. So she gets downstairs and she's waiting for Nippur to drop her the keys. And Nippur says, oh, you know what? Go back up the stairs and check to see if the door is just latched and not locked. Because then she wouldn't need the oh, key. Oh, okay, because their apartment's on the second floor. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I then, gotcha. Uh, then Barati basically is like, no. Just this Throw dialogue. Throw me the keys. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, this this dialogue is just so like. It's odd. The whole thing's very I'm odd. I'm here. So, I'm your maid. I need to get in your house and clean it. The person who. But you want me to run laps up and down these stairs. Like, so, can't you just just open the door? <laughs> so, so Barati says no. Throw me the keys, so that way I don't have to go back up and down the stairs yeah. again if it's still locked. So then, finally, Nippur throws the keys down from the balcony, and so now by this time. Rajesh has woken up, and he has come out into the living room, straight down that little hallway, and finds a near-empty scotch bottle on the table in the dining room. Mm-hmm. He's a little confused by that. So he asks Nippur who had left it there, like why this scotch bottle is sitting on the table almost empty. She clearly didn't have an answer for that. And then all of a sudden, Rajesh is very alarmed and tells Nippur to go check Arushi's room. So she must have drank the whole right. bottle. Right. Oh, Arushi must have drank this whole bottle of go scotch check last on night. Her. Yeah. Go check that out. So they do, and when they get there, the door is unlocked, which is odd because as you mentioned, it's this self-locking door. So when it closes, right. it locks, and you can either open it from the inside or you need a key from the outside. But they get there and the door's unlocked. So they open the door and they find Arushi's body lying on her bed. Mm-hmm. Um, Rajesh starts screaming. And Nippur, though, remains completely silent. And she says that this is because she's just in complete shock. While this is all happening, Bharati uh, returned to the outside gate, and she's able at this point to just push it and it opens. Mm-hmm. Which she had Imagine already tried right. to do before. Maybe she loosened it. Yeah, when she pushed it the first time, she loosened it up just enough. Yeah. So she had already tried to push it open before, and it would not open. And now she gets back to it and pushes on it, and it opens without any issue. She then finds that the middle door was just latched and not locked. Right. So she's able to get through that. She flips the latch and, and walks in. When she enters the apartment, she finds Rajesh and Nippur both crying. And Nippur says, come with me to Arushi's room. Right. So Bharati follows her but stops at the door. I was making a really distasteful joke. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) So. I mean, there was a mess to clean up, clearly. Oh, Heather. So insensitive. Uh, So 
So Barati stops at the door, and Nippur goes all the way into the room. You know, so Barati sees that Arushi's body is there on the bed. It's covered with a flannel blanket. Nippur then pulls that blanket, and Barati can see that Arushi's throat has been slit. Mm-hmm. Immediately, while they're standing here now, Rajesh and Nippur blame Hamrush. Just yeah. immediately. Say it out loud right there in front of Barati. So then Barati leaves uh, to tell the neighbors about what's been going on, and then returns to ask the Talwars if she this should go on part. with the daily chores. Yes. And they tell her no, so she yeets on out of there. <laughs> to it's just go. like, I'm so sorry. This is the one part, out of all of the things that don't make sense, in this case, this is numero uno to me. I don't know how Hello, only... yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry that your beautiful little girl is laying here dead, but do you still need me to wash the dishes? Because... <laughs> I, the dishes was the first chore I thought of, too. That's do, so like, odd. I, I'm sorry. Do you, do you still want but me... But that's not the only thing that's confusing. Do you still want me to dust the windowsill? I'm confused. But that's not the only thing that's confusing, because also, not once yet have we mentioned anyone... Calling the police yes. that their 13-year-old daughter is dead in her bedroom. Because my first thought, if my child had died, well, we better get the maid in on we this. We better show the maid and then the, this. And then the She's maid not going like, to believe this. You know who really would be interested? The neighbors. Yeah. Let me go, go get them, them for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, she asks if she should go out with the daily chores. They tell her no. no. That's so maybe just, the first thing that's made sense this whole time. She's a busy woman because she moves on to another home. Yeah, she just goes to other families' houses. Yeah, which is why cleaning. she didn't want to wait by the door. I guess Girls really hoping she doesn't find anybody else's 13-year-old daughter's dead. So, the Talwars then are calling family and friends. Mm-hmm. And a friend that's also a neighbor that lives nearby finally asks the security guard for this complex to call the police right but by the time the police get there there are 20 people or so in the apartment yeah so actually the first people to arrive on the scene after the initial like neighbors are Nippur's parents which we've already established live very close by they're the people who own the garage right they're that a, the like car is parked rough in. less than a 10 minute yeah, walk so they're like so she places a call to her parents, but not to the police. Right. Right. So, there's already 20 people in the apartment. About yeah. 15 of them are in the living room. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we're at like 7.15 a.m. Yeah, by the time so the we're about an hour removed from everybody right. even waking up. So, there's about 15 people in the living room. Five or six of them are in the Tawar's bedroom all the way in the back. Arushi's room is the only room where there's nobody actively in there. Right. At the time the police arrive. So, but the crime scene has just been completely trampled upon, was the way one of the officers was quoted. Right. Which happens when you have 20 people traipsing through a crime scene. Yeah. And then the media is gathered there by 8 a.m. So within two hours of all of this, now the media is already outside because this is an affluent neighborhood. Right. So there's, you know, immediate interest on this. By 8.30 a.m., Arushi's body is taken for a post-mortem well i mean we should probably i mean even before then the officers are already i mean clearly there's someone there in the home that isn't there while all this is going on 
What a wonderful transition to the next note I have written down. <laughs> so immediately, uh, you know, and the parents have already made the accusation. Right. But immediately the police suspect that Hemraj has murdered Arushi. Well, right. So, and then, I mean, honestly, though, Rajesh is, is pushing for the police to go find Hemraj. He's telling them, stop wasting time in the apartment. Don't look at the crime scene. Well, yeah, they don't go need the police look at the guy. crime scene. He's got all of his friends and family on the case. Yeah, yeah, everyone's They're already there. They're already on it. So, uh, and then he offers, like, 25,000 rupees for them to go to the village Did we look up how much that from. was? I did US. not look up what the conversion was. Because it sounds like a lot, but it might not be. I mean, it's got to be a significant amount that he felt like that was enough to offer for them to go hunt this man down Hold on. in 20, this village. He said 25,000. 25,000 rupees. It's so, about $337. So that's not a lot at all. I mean, maybe he could get a shiny new Well, badge. I mean, I guess, though... I don't know. I don't know. He he thought that that was enough to offer for them to go and do what he wanted them to do. I guess. Maybe he's just really bad at bribing people. The police, the theory that they kind of lay out immediately is that Hemraj drank all that scotch from the bottle that they found on the table. Gets the wandering eye. Yeah. Attempts to sexually assault Arushi, who resists him, doesn't want anything to do with that, and then he kills her. Because she resisted the advance. Right. It wasn't hemorrhage. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but we'll move on. <laughs> so. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> you ruined the plot twist. <laughs> so at, so at 8.30 a.m., Arushi's body is taken for the postmortem. It is returned to the apartment by 1 p.m. So I actually have three different times and these are all from official court documents that i've read it says 1 p.m then i see another one that says 4 p.m then i see another report from and this is from the deputy of forensic science the, de the deputy director of forensic science in this pdf that i was reading that he signed said that the body was returned to them at 7 p.m that evening either way the body was returned to the Talwar family that Within same, the same day. day. So, so the timeline I have is that it was returned at around 1 p.m., placed on ice slabs. Yes. And then it was, her body was actually taken for cremation at around 4 p.m. That's right. the timeline I have. So there's conflicting yeah. reports, but this is all happening the same day. Well, either way, Arushi was brought back to the home and viewed by the right. family. And now... This was something, I didn't put it specifically in here in my notes to go over, but when we watched this case a few months ago, we watched that video, Right. we looked up, you know, is that normal Right. that they do this, that they come back that quickly and then there's a viewing at the mm -hmm. home, and basically that is, it is. the it's, traditional it's course the of events. It's the Hindu custom is that, well, obviously to be cremated, and it is said that the... I guess elders of the family and things like that were pushing for the body to be cremated. They had the towers did have like pressure put on them as right. well, which I think is believable. I think a lot of people rushed to judgment that it was just done so quickly, but that's that's their faith. That's that's their custom like rich like funeral ritual. Well, and they're also not the only 
that's not the only religion or right. faith system well, I mean, that like, has requirements for how, you know, right. the time frame. I've heard cases before where, you know, they needed to push quickly for a Jewish ceremony. I right. believe you have to be buried within seven days. Yeah, you have like a week for, yeah. yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. There's other religions, there's other faith systems where yeah, they have those 24 types of... hours is, is customary. It's also customary to keep the body in the home until such time that they are cremated. Right, the fact that... It, they even allowed her body to leave for the post-mortem yeah. was a point of contention with the family yeah. because traditionally that wouldn't be the case. They would yeah. keep the body there. So I think generally to people like us outside of India, hearing this kind of thing seems really rushed, and and it is. It's still quick, right? That's yeah, a, it, that's it's still objective, quick when we're quick. thinking about the fact that a crime took place, but if we're putting that aside... It's it's not rushed. That's that's their religious custom. Right. So while all of these other things are going on, there are several of the visitors that are at the apartment are noticing blood stains on the door to the terrace and the stairs to the terrace. Right. So this is the next day. We're currently Well, this is being noticed. It's being noticed the day of. So they're, this is on the 16th oh, oh, of May yes, still yes. that these okay, things are right. being noticed. And so the police are finally convinced on that day to go take a look, but they can't get the door to the terrace open. Right. Again, like what is this door? Is it like the, the vault at Fort Knox that they couldn't get it open and they just go, oh, we'll just deal with it another time? I had read that they also couldn't get a mechanic to open for them. Right. I am not even kidding. They couldn't get a mechanic to open. Yeah. What? Yeah, so what they, is this door made out of? Right. So they can't get this thing open. Then they can't locate the key. So they just oh, well. walk away. They're like, oh, there's blood here? Oh. So then finally, on May 17th, so now the this is the day. next day, they break it open. So apparently that was an well, option the whole time. Yeah, so the next day, though, Arushi's parents are out of the house. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, oh, yeah, they're, they're already gone for the... They're ashes. Well, they had left. They were en route to spread her um, ashes because she was yeah, the, the night before. Yeah, the Ganges. Yeah, and two of the friends... Now, one of the friends, the family friends that was there, happened to be a retired policeman. Mm-hmm. And so they're, like, looking around, and he's like, Hey, boys, you know that blood you saw yesterday? You should probably investigate that. We need this terrace open. <laughs> so they're like like asking neighbors and people for the key to this, and they tell Rajesh, you need to come back home. So the Talwars turn around to come back home. Right. And he still is not producing this key. No, he's still saying that they can't They can't find the key. They have no idea where it is. What I thought was interesting as well is, so they, they do turn around while they're on their way. They were going to basically spread Arushi's ashes in the Ganges because that's a a Hindu custom. Nippur stays in the car the whole time that Rajesh goes in to deal with this. It didn't really specify how long they were there, how long he actually stayed to handle any of this stuff. But she stays in the car with Arushi's ashes. She felt that it would be improper to bring the ashes back inside. And then they leave again and wind up being back by the same night. But So they get the door broken down for the terrace and they find these bloody drag marks and uh, they find a body in an advanced stage of putrefaction uh, and this is at about 10.30 a.m. I also think that it is called putrefication as well. Because when I first heard that word, I was like, 
they're pronouncing this wrong. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and I was like, no, this is a word. Yeah, it is, but I also, I think it's synonymous with putrefaction Basically, decomposition. Yeah, I just didn't want people to think that we were pronouncing it wrong. We're not. We did look it up. Yeah, that's the word. I did think that was on you. When I first read it, I thought it said putrefaction. I didn't even, and then I was going back through, you know, because I like to make sure that I at least have some idea of how to pronounce some of the stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, that's not how putrefication nope. is spelled. Maybe I wrote that down wrong, and I went back and checked, and nope, that's the real word. Yeah, basically, it's an advanced stage of decomposition. Right. So they find the they find this body at 10.30 a.m. on May 17th now, so the right. day after Arushi's body is found. The body is not immediately ID'd. The people who are there who did know Hemraj couldn't ID it, and Rajesh says that due to the injuries to the body and the decomposition... Yeah. Nope, he never met him. Either. Don't know who it is. But then they get, I think it was a friend of Hemraj's, another domestic help for somebody else who lived in the complex, essentially. Yeah. And they immediately identify that that is yeah. Hemraj's body. You would think, though, that, like, what kind of clothes is he wearing? Do you not recognize what you saw him in the night before? I mean. Well, I mean, and yeah, who, I mean, who knows? He is covered in blood. You can see, like, crime scene photos, and, I mean,. With and without his body, but there is quite a bit of blood. There's a lot of blood. Uh, so, I mean. And the decomposition, you know, yeah. being in May in India, you know, India is kind of warm and humid, so kind I'm of. sure. Kind yeah. Yeah. Just a little. Just a little. I'm just saying, I don't know what they're. Uh, yeah. And he was covered. He was covered with like an like an air conditioning mat. Or it was something yeah. Like that. Um, like it a, was a panel from the roof or yeah. Um, so not, yeah, it was. Yeah. I have that listed specifically, but I, so now what I want to do now is just kind of run down the the evidence that we have. Okay. So the injuries to the bodies. Basically, each body has blunt injury and then has incised neck wounds. Yeah, they each have like identical wounds to their bodies. Yeah. So Arushi has the blunt injury to her forehead. Above her left eye, Mm -hmm. it created a deep cut about four centimeters by three centimeters and a blood clot eight centimeters by two centimeters in her brain. There's an injury on her occipital bone and also an injury on her left parietal bone. Mm -hmm. For hemorrhage, the blunt injury is on the back of his head, but it is similar. The wound itself is similar, just in a different position. I mean, it was determined fairly quickly that the same... The same weapon. The same weapon yeah. would have been used to cause this blunt force trauma. And then uh, for the incised neck wounds, Arushi's was 14 centimeters by 6 centimeters. The blood was drained from the cut to her neck, but there was no arterial spurting. Right. Which they noted specifically. And Hemraj had identical cut yeah in the same place yeah which basically means that they were the weapon or weapons were the same right and and because there was no blood spatter that means that the the head trauma is what killed them right not yeah no arterial spurting from a yeah. from slitting someone's throat yeah i mean the ha- the injuries to both of their throats would have also killed them but because there was no, like like I said, like no blood splatter, no arterial spurting, like, yeah, yeah. projection, the head wounds is what caused both of their deaths. So the weapon or weapons were never found. 
Right. So there's, there's obviously evidence in quite a few different places. In Arushi's room, we know that the body was found on the bed. Mm-hmm. It was covered with a flannel blanket. And her face was covered with her school bag. Right. Which I imagine like, is a book bag. Mm-hmm. There was blood on her pillow, her bed, the walls, the floor, and the bedroom door. But there was no blood on toys that were within the same area where this other blood was found, on the school bag, on a pink pillow at the back of the bed, or on the book that she had been reading that night before. And all of those things were in the vicinity where the way that the other blood was found, you would expect that they would have blood. Right. Uh, There was also a wet circular mark on the bed sheet under her pelvic area. It was not urine, and her pajama bottoms and underwear were not wet. And they obviously that was in that same area because it was under her pelvis. And the way that her like pajama bottoms were, I guess, on her, it was evident that they had been at some point pulled down and pulled back up. So that's part of what we have as far as the evidence they collected from Arushi's body. They did find a whitish discharge at her vagina. It was determined that there was no semen present. A forensics lab suspected that the sample for that was tampered with, but it was concluded there may have been some contamination, Mm -hmm. but that they didn't believe that anybody actually intentionally tampered with that sample. At the same time, though, white discharge, especially for her age, is also uh, normal. Right. Yeah. Uh, Especially around a menstrual cycle. I believe an abnormality was the dilation of the opening to her genitals. Yeah, so it was described a couple different ways. One examiner said that her vagina was extraordinarily dilated. Mm -hmm. Another referred to her vaginal orifice as being unduly large. Right. Her hymen was ruptured and there was an old tear. So it was like, yeah. And so yeah. The, her, the orifice was so dilated that the mouth of her cervix was visible. But the discharge that they found was confined to the vagina and not the entire area where they would anticipate. Right. So even though the discharge, they said, wasn't abnormal, especially around a menstrual cycle, there were some, you know, some things that were inconsistent there. And as you mentioned, the pajama bottoms were untied, and it seemed like the, uh, the bottoms and her underwear had either been pulled up or down. They referred to it as her butt cleavage was right. visible. Yeah, so they hadn't been pulled all the way up. Right. On the terrace, they find the 20 feet of blood, basically the, uh, where the body was dragged. Uh, they find a bed cover draped on an iron grill that separated the Tawar's Terrace from their neighbor's terrace. They find a smudged, blood-stained palm print on the terrace. The blood, they were later able to confirm, was hemorrhages, but the print wasn't identified. Right. And they find a shoe print in the blood, and it was a size 8 or 9 shoe. Mm-hmm. Hemorrhage's body, they find abrasion contusion, which is also consistent with the body having right. been dragged mm-hmm. on his elbows. Oh, and there are also no defensive wounds on Arushi. None of those kind right. of marks that are, yeah. Lie, so they find his body, it's lying on the left of the roof 
entrance next to the external air conditioning unit and covered by, uh, like you had mentioned before, it was a panel from the roof. There's more blood pooled near the body, closer to the AC unit, so that's why they believe the body was dragged there. Mm-hmm. Although that's where the body was found, so it seems kind of clear that that's the direction yeah. in which the body was dragged. They only find 25 milliliters of liquid in his stomach. They find no food. Right. Which was right. consistent because there was a plate he had made for himself for dinner that was then found untouched later. Mm-hmm. But it made it clear that he did not sit down to dinner with the family. Right. Yeah. And on the other hand, though, there was food found in Arushi's stomach that indicated the time of death and that she had, in fact, eaten her dinner. Right. And that time of death was determined to be between midnight and 1 a.m. Yeah. That night. A very close window to when people were still awake. Right. And when Hemraj's body was brought in for the postmortem, his penis was swollen. And so there are some conflicting reports about whether or not that was normal or to be expected. It did seem, though, like the the person who made the argument that it was abnormal or that it implied something sexual didn't really have the medical experience to express that opinion. And Mm -hmm. when they were called on that, they admitted that it wasn't from medical experience. In Hemraj's room... They find three glasses. One of them was empty. Two had small amounts of liquor in them. They find three bottles. Kingfisher beer bottle, a bottle of Sprite, and a bottle of Sula whiskey. They find Hemraj's DNA on the beer bottle. And in the servant's bathroom, they find the urine of more than one person. Okay, in Hemraj's bathroom. Yes, in the servant's bathroom. So now... Bunch of stuff going on with the doors and the keys. And we've kind of touched on it, but just to run them down. There's no signs of forced entry into the apartment. The middle grill door was found latched from the outside in the morning by the maid, like we mentioned. Two sets of keys exist. One was with the Talwars and one was usually with Hemraj. According to reports, Nippur took the keys that she threw down to Barati from Hemraj's room but Nippur claims that she couldn't find his. They would usually be on his sideboard. Mm-hmm. So she threw down her own. The key to the terrace door was never found. The Tawars claim that this was on Hemraj's keys, which are missing. The door to Arushi's room and the house's main door were both self-locking, which we've already mentioned. You know, a little right. odd that her bedroom door did that. There was also no sign of forced entry to Arushi's room. And the key was usually at Nippur's bedside. The morning of the 16th, the key to Arushi's room was found in the living room near the main door to the apartment. Nippur said that she was unsure if she had locked Arushi's door at 11 p.m. She and then said she may have left the key in the lock, you know, when she let herself in to turn on the router. Rajesh claims that he locked Arushi's door at 11.30 p.m but then did not lock uh, their room. Then there's a bunch of stuff with the phones. Mm-hmm. Arushi's and Hemraj's mobile phones were both missing right. at the point that the bodies are being found. The last call to Hemraj while he was alive, you mentioned this call, was at, eight, night, yeah. was at 8.27 p.m. on May 15th, and it lasted six minutes, and that was from a public call office, so I guess it's like a, like a pay phone. It's a public phone, and again, within close proximity of the apartment. Then there was a call to Hemraj's phone at 6.01 a.m. on May 16th that lasted two seconds. That was the call from Nippur right. when she tried to reach him. 
But Hemraj's phone pinged a cell tower right nearby. So his phone, when it was answered for that two seconds before being cut again, was within about a kilometer of the apartment, which is roughly the same distance as that public call office. Right, but not in the house. I saw something that said it could have still been in the apartment, but they, but they can't confirm. Right. right. For Arushi's cell, she usually chatted with friends until around midnight, sometimes later. On the night of May 15th, her phone was inactive after 9, 10 p.m., so that was notated as being unusual. Her phone wound up being found a few days after her death on a dirt track... Then it wound up staying with the brother of the person who had found it, mm -hmm. and he held on to it and then got a new SIM card and wound up using it months later. The police tracked that whole thing down. Those people didn't have anything to do with it. So there was a call from Arushi's friend at 11.30 p.m. That's on the landline. Okay, and yeah. that phone call lasted 34 seconds. Rajesh claims he doesn't recall that phone call at all, doesn't remember the phone ringing around that time. He says that... You know, Arushi would turn off the ringer to the landline sometimes, so maybe she did that that night, and she was the one that talked to the friend for yeah. 34 seconds. Nippur's father told a neighbor on the morning of the 16th, when people are coming and going after Arushi's body is found, that the landline was out of order, because the neighbor asked whether or not the police had been called. Just an interesting fact. Rajesh's mobile records didn't indicate anything unusual in the time frame around these deaths. Nippur's phone though, was off from 7.40 p.m. on the 15th of May until 1 p.m. on the 18th of May. So the night before, and this is roughly, she got home at 7.30, and the phone was turned off at 7.40, and then it's off for several days. But according to records, the phone had not been turned off, had not been off once in the 60 days prior right, yeah. to that night. So that was very unusual. Then just to wrap it up, just some other... Random pieces of evidence. The scotch bottle had blood stains from both Arushi and Hemraj, but there were no clear prints that could be used. Right. They did gather 26 fingerprints from the apartment. 24 of them were collected improperly or handled improperly in some way. What? No. Yeah. And so only two of them could be used, and they didn't match any of the suspects. 20 people were at the crime scene, not including the police, <laughs> I wonder. Right. So 26 are gathered, 24 basically are thrown out right away. The other two don't match any of the suspects that they're looking at. Then we have the 23 photos were taken on this camera that Arushi was given the night before. Right. 18 of those 23 were deleted. The photos that are left on the camera when the police look into it were numbered 13, 15, 20, 22, and 23. Yeah, so she was having a bad selfie night. Well, that's... One argument, yes. <laughs> uh, so, but 18 out of 23 photos taken that night were deleted. The internet router didn't switch off until 3.43 a.m. Then it switched on again at 6.01 a.m. It was said that it wouldn't really do that on its own with long periods of time but in between. But I'm also confused because who turns off their router? They had it off the night before, too. They had to turn it on when yeah, they wanted to use it. but why it. are they turning it on and off? My, I mean, we don't, we don't live in India, so we don't really know the specifics, but my guess would be, you know, and this is in 2008, they may have been paying for usage, so if it's turned off, it's there's nothing. They're not being charged at that point. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the router did switch on and off 
a few times throughout the day on May 16th, even when there were police and visitors right. in the apartment. So they're not sure how valid uh, the information about when it was turned on or off really is. As if that's not enough, I think that kind of lays everything out that we're looking at here. As far as evidence goes. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so now that we have kind of all of the evidence laid out, I guess we can go into the multiple suspects and theories. Sure. So where should we start? Because <laughs> uh, there's a few. I guess maybe uh, let's start with Hemraj, the first suspect, and why we can rule him out. Oh, we can rule him out? We can. So obviously uh, his wounds were not self-inflicted. Right. So... It was in the ruled out force <laughs> to the back of his head. Yeah, I think that pretty much, yeah. Can we take him off the board now? I mean, I guess there's argument to be made that he had something to do with Arushi's death. Mm. And then he died. I don't personally believe that. I don't, I don't know that there's a ton to support that. I don't think that's actually anything that had been investigated anyway. So, right. So, Hemraj was the first suspect, but was ruled out once his body was found, pretty much. Yeah. Right away. I guess the next suspect we can go to is the previous Hemraj. Yeah, so, Vishnu Sharma, he was the... you know, the domestic help for the Talwars before Hemraj was employed there. Right. He had worked for the Talwars for 10 years, but he liked to go on extensive vacations. (laughs) And so when he would go on vacation, though, he would get someone to come in to cover cover for him, basically. And so, and this is where the eight-month time frame comes from, that it was about eight months before these murders Vishnu brought Hemraj to the Talwars to cover for him while he went on a vacation. Uh, When he came back from vacation, though, he found out he didn't have a job anymore. Yeah, the Talwars were like, oh, Hemraj does it better. Yeah. We love Hemraj. We hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Please do not come back. Which is... Motive. There's the motive that That's they gave. That's what we call it in this game. <laughs> <laughs> that was the motive that they gave for Vishnu was, oh, well, Hemraj stole his job. So apparently yeah. they thought he stewed on that, Hemraj taking his job for eight months and then came back and murdered Hemraj. Right. And in that theory, Arushi was murdered because she saw him kill Hemraj. Right. Uh, however, there is no... I don't believe that there is any circumstantial and or physical evidence to support this. It is strictly motive. Right. Just based on, oh, he lost his job to this guy Mm -hmm. after he introduced him to this family. Which motive feels important, though, because as we go through the suspects, you'll find that really there's only, like, two people who had any motive whatsoever, and the motive isn't that strong in either case. Right. But also, I, I read something about Vishnu being on another vacation when these murders took place. So he wasn't even anywhere nearby. Yeah, maybe he was to in have Poconos actually or been the one who knows. Did you say the Poconos? Yeah. He left India and went on vacation to the Poconos in Pennsylvania? I don't judge people. I'm just saying. All right. He could have been there. I don't think that's where they said he was on vacation. But he could have I mean it's it's we have four minutes left until my birthday's over. <laughs> so what was that? Yes, he could have. That's where he could have gone. Could he have yes. Moving on. <laughs> So the next one is a an employee. And the theory with the employee also involves two others, so it's kind of this right. trio. But the main one is Krishna. Krishna Tadare? 
Kadarai? Yeah, we'll just call him Krishna. Krishna. So Krishna was an employee at the dental office to the Talwars, and I guess at some point in time before the incident, Rajesh had reprimanded him very, uh... Sternly? Yeah, gave him a really stern talking to, and he did not take well to this, and had also talked to his coworkers and or friends about... Spoke poorly of Rajesh well, after that. they both need to relax a little bit, because it was, reportedly, it was about Krishna incorrectly doing a dental cast mm. it's not that serious you can redo a dental cast and i found that it was it was about two days before i don't know if that's 100 percent accurate but it was right pretty recently you know as far as the yes. time frame goes but the interesting thing about this is that um <laughs> krishna and these two other men and they're all taken in and interviewed polygraphed and given, what do they call this test? It's like a narco... Narco testing, yeah. Which is truth serum. Yeah. Yeah, like very a, effective. Like a potion. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm in Hogwarts or something. <laughs> or, yeah. So, basically, they get confessions to this crime. But the confessions change each time that they're given this truth serum. And, basically, what it is, is... There are multiple variations, and we won't go into all of them, because it's basically kind of all the same general story, which is that they go to the house to meet up with Hemraj. They're drinking and having a jolly good time, bad-mouthing the boss man. Because it also is rumored that at this point in time, Hemraj was also not too fond of Rajesh. That they had a kind of tumultuous relationship. So you've got this disgruntled, two disgruntled employees of Rajesh basically at this home. They're going to get back in him and he has a teen daughter in the home and they decide that that's how they're going to do it. So they go into Arushi's bedroom to assault her. She fights back so they strike her on the head. Now, obviously there are different like small variations in these accounts, but basically it was that like Hemraj either got in the way or tried to stop this because Hemraj had a really good loving caring relationship, like a fatherly kind of relationship with Arushi, or maybe he thought it had gone too far, so they killed him. Either because he was a witness or because he tried to stop what had happened. Yeah. Yeah, and there's I mean there's some there is some evidence and, and some circumstances that actually lend some credence to the theory with these three. Mm-hmm. Rajesh's current driver, who dropped him off that night, you know, prior to the murders, had heard Krishna saying that he would, quote, deal with Rajesh, which, you know, you kind of cursory mentioned that, that mm-hmm. he had said, you know, had some interactions where he basically said he wasn't happy with him but that was heard directly krishna lived in the same area so he's not unfamiliar with this area they found blood-stained clothing in his home Mm. when they searched it and so during his questioning and testing he was the one who mentioned other people being involved and that's when they start looking at these two friends of his and so one of those friends is raj kumar Mm-hmm. And then, and then Mandal, Mandal, Mandal? Vijay Mandal. Right. So Rajkumar, when they search his home, they find T-shirts that had been washed that had faint human blood stains, and they seized those. 
And Rajkumar was domestic help for some friends of the Talwar, so again, mm-hmm. not unfamiliar. And Mandal was uh, also so a driver and the, domestic help for their neighbors. Rajkumar was the help for the Duranis family, which is the couple that co-owns the dental practice with the Talwars. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so these people are these are people that are familiar enough with the right. family could, you know, very possibly be familiar with the apartment. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, there's some circumstances that exist and then there's these the blood-stained clothing found at Krishna's and Rajkumar's homes that also lend some credence here and uh as you said, all three of them when they're being questioned and they're having that narco testing done, mm-hmm. they essentially confess. They all give different versions of events but the the overarching story doesn't really change you know it's details that change right so but again and i i always find that when you have these really confusing cases it's all because the investigation was done poorly i think that's like a common you mean this investigation that found 26 fingerprints and had to throw 24 of them out or you don't think the investigation was done off the scene when they had 25 people in the house (laughs) i mean i don't know I don't want to pass judgment, especially on a foreign police force, when I'm not sure how they do things here. But I just, it's said that they perhaps forced this confession. I'm also... Well, they gave them truth serum. But they could have let, I mean, it is possible that they could have led them on. Again, I don't know if they have taped interrogations or if they're held to the same kind of standards that we are and how those things kind of hold up in court. I do know that the narco tests as well as the polygraphs are not admissible in the Indian court. Uh, So there is that. So those confessions aren't admissible anyway. Right. Because they were done under the truth serum. Probably explains why these men were ever tried But at a later time, they were basically like, well, we were tortured by the police. Well, the, the CBI because the CBI is, I guess, much like our FBI over here. So the local police force wasn't on the case any longer. It had become such a big kind of like media circus. Yeah, you have this frenzy. Yeah. Right. And then not only that, but they actually do have alibis on these men. So, I mean, people testify to these people being where they should have been and not near the home. Right. Also, I did read an account from the CBI report that the guard that was interviewed, so the guard for the apartment complex, says that nobody, he had not seen anybody entering or exiting the complex not to say that there wasn't and especially if there's only one guard that he may not have missed something or you know you know what i mean right. but he did say that he didn't see anything so that at, at least is in their favor and yeah he the guard specifically said that he didn't see raj kumar leaving the apartment so right i mean i guess at this point they're ruled out well they at this point in the timeline, when these three are being considered suspects, Rajesh had been arrested and held in jail for 50 days. Mm-hmm. And upon the investigation of these three suspects, Rajesh was finally released. So yeah, but these three were also ruled out because there just wasn't, wasn't enough evidence. There were, there's no DNA evidence, no fingerprints. I mean, basically no physical evidence in the house. In, right, in this in, actual apartment. In the Talwar apartment. There's they no find evidence. some fishy stuff at these guys' homes when they yeah. search them. But, but nothing that could could stick. Right. Yeah. So, and then, of course, the other kind of theory with the three of them is that they were all bad-mouthing Rajesh, and Arushi overheard them, and they silenced her. So, if, you're, if we're not going with an assault theory, that's the other one, but... 
I just figured I'd throw that in there. And then I guess the only other suspects are the parents. The only ones that were ever really in any way looked at by authorities. Yeah. For sure. Those are, yeah, so those are the only suspects that were considered only because they had motive. Right. But the only suspects that there's any kind of physical evidence for are the parents, but they don't have a, like a, a clear-cut motive on. So I guess we should get into that. Yeah, I think that's, that's all that's left, really. Yeah, so evidence pointing toward the parents. So if we're fast-forwarding here to the end, it's 2013, uh, five years after this has happened, the Talwars are convicted in November, November 25th of 2013, they're convicted of the murder of Arishi. And then four years later, that conviction is overturned, basically because there's not enough evidence. So, but the reason that they were convicted we can go over the evidence that the CBI used. And I read a report. Now, there are multiple reports because investigations were going, like, on and off. So the CB, the police had it, then the CBI had it, and then they kind of closed it. Then they reopened it. And it was basically passed around to different, different investigative groups. And I had a... I was able to find... It was by that same person that I had mentioned before who was the director of forensic science. Let me grab his name real quick. It was Dr. M.S. Dahia, and he was the deputy director of forensic science for the CBI who wrote this report. And he calls it, he calls them the assassins in his report, but by assassins, he's basically pointing the finger at the Talwars. In addition, Hemraj's wife also thinks that the Talwars are responsible for this because of the turmoil that was going on between Hemraj and Rajesh. And then there are also friends of Hemraj that came forward saying that he felt that he was in danger and that like people that were close to him were also in danger, but nobody expanded on this. So, I mean, whatever, I guess. I don't even know if that would be admissible in court, though, because it's hearsay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do have some exemptions to hearsay if it's like an outcry uh, or if you feel like the person was... I think really the exception there is if you feel like the person is uh, killed in order to stop them from being able to testify Mm. to something in court, which I don't think would really apply here. Right, so the evidence. They believe that the blunt force trauma is consistent with a golf club. They found golf clubs in the home, but they weren't able to say with certainty that any of them had been the murder weapon. There's no physical evidence. Right, well, they never never found anything they could confirm was the murder weapon. Another speculation was that the throat wounds were of a a medical nature, like a surgical nature, and that it could have been consistent with the kukri, which is a Nepalese, like, weapon or knife, uh, which they at first assumed was used because they assumed it was hemorrhage that committed this crime. But it also could be consistent with a scalpel. That has never turned up. No, no murder weapon. Right. No blunt force. Not. Yeah. No. Nothing yeah, no, that nothing. could cause the blunt force. Nothing that could cause yeah. those cuts to the. Yeah, neck. It's, it's all speculative. There's nothing that's come up that's any kind of hard evidence. Another thing that I read in this CB. Now, this is an official CBI report from this director of forensics. He states in his report that there is blood on Arushi's wall that belongs to Hemraj, 
So basically, Arushi is hit in the head, and that would have caused her to die. How quickly? I'm not sure. But the autopsy... Quickly enough that by the time her throat was then slit, they believed she was dead. Well, now the autopsy report says that her throat was cut. It doesn't give a specific amount of time that I could find, but a good while is what I see quoted after her head was hit. So I'm not sure. Maybe they thought they killed her or just came back to make sure. Did they kill Hemraj in that time? If they found Hemraj's blood on the wall, then that would say to me that he was killed in her room and then dragged to the terrace. And then his throat was cut on the terrace. But it could also make the argument uh, that Hemraj was involved in Arushi's death. Right. And, you know, there may not have been a ton of defensive wounds because she's obviously familiar with him but he could have he could have somehow cut himself mm. when he was uh when he was attacking arushi mm. and left blood there in the room arushi may have tried to throw something at him mm-hmm. that caused blood to be left in the room by him you know and that would explain why there were still no defensive wounds mm. because it was you know it was something sudden so uh, there are there are still some untied ends there as well. So what this report basically is saying is that this gets a little silly, in my opinion, but I guess we'll see. So they think that it was Rajesh. All of them kind of basically in these reports claim that Rajesh is the one who did the killing and then Nippur was just helping to cover things up, I guess. So an, an accessory, but she's still being charged for murder. Rajesh walks into this room hits Hemraj on the head, hits Arushi on the head, and then proceeds to dress the room, move Hemraj, all of that business, which would account for the blood. Why would Rajesh do this? Mike asks. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Tell me, please. So the couple that they own the dentistry office with, it is speculated that Rajesh was having an affair with the wife, Anita. There's absolutely no evidence to this whatsoever. And Rajesh and the legal team, really, when they're going through the trial, argue this was made up yeah, by to an employee. Right, an employee at the dental clinic that was disgruntled right. made up that whole theory right. to yeah. cast a certain light on Rajesh. Yeah, and, and I mean, as we can see, Rajesh obviously doesn't have any issue with disgruntling. Is that a he? <laughs> He doesn't have a great relationship with the employees. Like disgruntling of this his employee. You, I said it. I stand by the word. I don't okay, care. you stand by the word all you want. Yeah, he doesn't so, have a great relationship with his employees. Is the way I'll state it. So get this: he is having an affair with Anita. Arushi knows about this affair, and to get back at her father because she disapproves of this affair, she starts sleeping with Hemraj as a slap in the face. So he walks in and finds him in a compromising position and in a fit of rage, hits Hemraj on the head and then hits Arushi on the head and then continues. The, I mean, I personally think it's silly for a 13-year-old to draw that conclusion like, oh, you're sleeping around on mom? Well, guess what? I'm going to sleep with the help. Boom. Yeah, the help, a married man. Take that, Significantly dad. older like, than me. I'm 13 just, years old. But this is what the CBI used as motive. This is real in court. Like, this is what they came up with. That's what they came up with. And well, because they're trying, yeah, because they're trying to 
to fit that all in. But then it's also, it's a little counterintuitive because then Rajesh's team tries to make, tries to defend the idea that there was a sexual relationship between Hemraj and Arushi. Because they're the ones that bring this person up who talks about the fact that Hemraj's penis was swollen when it went for the post-mortem. Who says, oh, well, this would have meant that he was actively engaged in sexual activity or was about to be engaged in sexual activity. And then had to be called on that when when they asked, well, where is this coming from? What is your medical knowledge? And he had to admit he didn't have medical knowledge. It was from personal experience, I think, is what this man actually says on the stand. So it's, it's a little counterintuitive. If that's what they're using to try to incriminate you, why are you kind of arguing that point for them? And then also, why did they argue against that point? Right. Everything is just so convoluted. Yeah, it's so just... How they came to these conclusions is just so bizarre. Yeah, they, they're they connecting a lot of dots that I, you just really don't have a connection right. between. So other pieces of evidence that, without this crazy motive, that basically point to the parents is, one, where Hemraj was placed on the terrace. And the way that Arush's room was, they say, they, they, they use the word dressed in the States, we use the word staged. Right. Um, that the crime scene was staged. As you described before, that there was the the blood that, not the blood that was there, but the fact that there was no blood on some of these items where there should have been, means that perhaps these items were moved afterwards. Correct. Like, after the fact. So, not to say that that pointed towards the parents, but it kind of looks like they came back and staged it. And it almost, a theory could de- certainly be made that it would definitely be easy to blame Hemraj for this. And if they had been able to get rid of the body, then I don't think anybody would have questioned it any further had they never found Hemraj. Right, well, so, and a couple of things with this. So we know, you know, from from experience with true crime here in the States, and I don't think that this changes regardless of where you are, in order to stage a scene, you have to feel comfortable being there. Exactly, right. Right? So this has to be someone who would be comfortable being found in this apartment who's going to then stage Mm -hmm. this crime scene. Um, And then, as you said, if they were successful in getting rid of the body where the body wasn't going to be found, Rajesh offered money for the police to stop Mm -hmm. looking around this apartment, go to the village that Hamraj is from, to find him there. Mm-hmm. And also don't ask that me gives for the them, keys, because right. I don't got them. And that, so that gives them the opportunity to finish disposing of this body yeah. that they think that they've successfully hidden. Yeah, it, it almost, and I mean, obviously with the weird transaction between um, the maid and Nippur, I, one could reason that she was maybe not expecting this maid to show up. I mean, although she was scheduled, but you know, you know what I mean. Not maybe not something that she'd thought of at that time, and with the weird like going back and forth between the doors and tossing the keys and all of that, and then it goes back to the phone call as well. She calls Hemraj's phone, and it's answered. His phone is never found, though. So where is it, and why was it answered? And it's answered within a kilometer of the apartment. So very right. possibly in the apartment when it's answered. Right, that's another piece of evidence that's going against them. And then, like you were said about being familiar in the home, so the scotch. Yeah, the scotch bottle where they find blood from both Arushi and Hemrush. Right, but 
that kind of seems to me like I need a drink after I just killed these people. But not only that, but they have a, a cabinet where they keep this liquor. This yeah, liquor this... just isn't standing around. So you would need to know that this liquor cabinet, one, exists, how to get access to it, and then feel comfortable enough to sit at this dining room table and drink a bottle right, of scotch. Right, because it's, it's this concealed, like, mini bar. Right. And if you Googled uh, to look for a layout of the apartment on most of those layouts, the concealed bar is notated. It'll show you where it is. It's near the dining room table. Right, exactly. But you would have to know that it's there to yeah. be able to get into that to remove that scotch bottle, and that's where that bottle yeah. came from. And then, of course... The, probably one of the biggest things that people are going to argue is, is especially with the layout of the house, all of this is going on when Arushi and her parents share a bedroom wall and they hear nothing. Yeah, it was their beds were about eight feet apart. Right. This wasn't a huge... Mm -hmm. It's not a huge apartment to begin with. No. And the bedrooms, like you said, are sharing this part of a wall. They're basically right mm -hmm. next to each other. Yeah, and, and again, adding to the comfort level and familiarity with the home... You're dragging a body up to a terrace. Or, I, I mean, so you have to feel pretty comfortable to be waltzing around this home. Now, but with it is said... Two parent, with two people asleep in the next room. Right, but it is said... Um, it, there's some argument as to whether or not Hemraj was dragged up to the terrace. He, yeah, he Or if he got up there himself, whether alive, you know, mm -hmm. alive and well or injured, but got up there himself because the blood that had been seen on the stairs up to the terrace wasn't really noted by anyone mm -hmm. until they had tried to bring Arushi's mattress up to the terrace where there was yes, blood. right. And there, it's believed that the blood that's there on the stairs up to the terrace came from the mattress, right. not from well, Hemraj's body being dragged. Because obviously the scene was not thoroughly investigated or closed off. Oh, right, yeah. So you I mean, people that's keeping all up a bloody mattress, so is it blood that's being dragged, like... From a body being dragged or from a mattress being dragged, we don't know. And there's no way to yeah. know for sure because of the way things were handled. And, of course, there are conflicting reports about whether or not Hemraj's blood is in Arushi's room. If his blood is, in fact, on the wall, then one could stand to reason that he was killed in Arushi's room and then dragged to the terrace. If it's not on Arushi's wall, then there's a very real possibility that he was killed on the terrace. And also, what's the, what's the volume of Hemraj's blood... That's found on the wall. Yeah. In is this, this something report, where when it's he like was? A... But is this something where he was cleaning the room? Oh, I mean, or right. Something? He, he and... lived there for the better part of a year. So right. I mean, I... and we don't know any of this for sure because of the way things were handled. The crime scene was not yeah, processed exactly. properly. So these are all open-ended questions. You know, we're posing yeah, them much. at each other, but there's no answer. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. There's. Uh. And not only that, on the terrace, the terrace is very hard to navigate as well. There are pipes and things like that. The palm... <sighs> to be rustling around up there and hiding and things like that, just basically what you were saying, you'd have to be very comfortable and yeah, knowledgeable. You have to, yeah, you have to be fine with somebody seeing you still there. Yeah, which doesn't rule out someone else, but it certainly is a heavy weight against the towers. Yeah, that's a, it's a hard thing to overcome. Yeah. Who could be more comfortable than the people who live in that right. home? Like, it, it certainly wouldn't rule out someone like uh, the previous help who would know his way around and, and that kind of and thing. And may like, not be worried that someone would see them there because it may not seem odd. Right, exactly. So another thing is going to be uh, the key. 
to Arushi's room. Yeah, that's supposedly always on Nippur's nightstand. Right, so there is a possibility that, yes, it was unlocked, but she says that she locks it every single night, so someone would have had to have gone into the Talwar's room to get this key to enter Arushi's room. Well, and I think that they know that's the argument, and that's why Nippur then tries to make... Uh, or create some confusion that, oh, maybe when I went into the room at 11, I left the key in the door. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even... And as far as, like, the room being locked by either one of them, because she says maybe she left it there at 11, then Rajesh says, oh, I locked it at 11.30, the door locks on its own. Right. So all you had to do was close the door. Why are we referring to it that way? It just seems a little odd. To talk about locking the room when you don't actually have to do anything to lock the room. Right. But she does seem to use uh, the idea that she may have left the key in the lock when she went to turn on the router as uh, some reasonable doubt, Mm. I suppose. So, do we have anything that could maybe argue that the parents didn't do this? I don't necessarily know that I have a ton to argue against the parents, but I do feel like I have a little bit of a better theory as to why the parents did it, because we do think that it's kind of ridiculous that Arushi would be sleeping with Hemraj as payback for her father having an affair. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of stuff here that there was sexual activity involved, whether in the midst of everything happening, or tangentially. Um, And I think a big part of the reason that Rajesh and or Nippur may have been involved was um, like an honor killing. There's this friend, Bamnal, right? That's the one who texted her, yeah. So he's the one, this is a, so again, Arushi's 13, he's about her age. Just shy of 14, right? Right, yet nine days Mm -hmm. shy. Uh, he's about her age. He is calling her family's landline at 11.30. Mm-hmm. Then he's making more calls at around midnight, even a little later. He's texting her mm-hmm. that late at night. I feel like this may have been someone that she had some sort of a relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, oh, just because... She, they're both 13 years old, and he's a boy and she's a girl. They must have yeah. been. But to be communicating that late at night and also right. the comfort level to call the family landline mm-hmm. that, that late at night. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily uh, that doesn't necessarily indicate, like you were saying, it doesn't mean it was like a sexual relationship. It doesn't, doesn't but necessarily. But like having a crush or whatever. Well, or, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it had to have been. But then we have... Um, you know, the fact that her hymen was ruptured mm-hmm. and that there was an old tear. And again, there are other ways for things like that mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. But it opens the door to she may have been sexually active in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Not that they necessarily have had sex, but there's plenty that leads up to that. Right. That preteens and teenagers participate mm-hmm. in. So I think that there could have been something going on with this friend, and I think that Rajesh finds out about that. And I think that that, in such a traditional culture, mm-hmm. could be a reason. That's the, You know, that 34-second phone call when he realizes this is a 
teenage boy calling his daughter at 11.30 at night, I think he kind of flies into a rage. You know, the time of death is placed between midnight and 1 a.m. If that phone call came in at 11.30, that's enough time for him to stew and try to confront her about it and for it to, you know, one thing to lead to another. Mm-hmm. Um, because then we have this wet spot underneath her pelvis right. on the bed sheets, which I think pretty clearly indicates that her pelvis was cleaned mm-hmm. after she is dead. And the, uh, the vaginal dilation that we talked about earlier, they had experts who also said the only way for something like that really to happen and set in like that is after she is dead as rigor mortis is setting in is when she is then cleaned when she's wiped down and because of the rigor mortis process it would then stay that way right okay so there's an argument there um you also have the discharge um that was confined to you know just the one area which was also indicative of cleaning because it would have it would have spread to the whole area the discharge you know around uh a menstrual cycle. So it was just something else that was indicative of there being some cleaning to that area. And I think the cleaning of her body and then trying to conceal the body again by then pulling the underwear and the pajamas up, covering with a blanket, covering the face with the school bag, staging her room also kind of leads me to believe that Arushi was the target. And I think that Hemraj, maybe at this point coming in to finally grab his dinner since he hasn't eaten, and there's some indication he may have had a couple of drinks back in his quarters, mm-hmm. is going to get food, and hears or sees something, and he is killed to conceal what was done to Arushi. Right. Because he sees it happen, or sees the cleanup, or sees the staging of the room. I mean, of any number of things he could have seen, and that kind of opens the window. Right. Uh, for how long, you know, these things are going to be going on for a significant length of time after the initial incident. And I think that that makes a lot more sense than this 13-year-old girl deciding to sleep with a domestic help who is a married man significantly older than her as punishment for her father having an affair. Yeah, I um, I certainly disagree with the whole she slept with him to get back at her father. In fact, I don't believe that there was any type of sexual relationship between Hemraj and Arushi at all. Like, I, I don't... No, neither do I. I don't buy that for a second. However, I... When we had... I, we typically don't discuss these cases before we record them, but I know when we had watched this months ago that you and I were kind of on the same page with kind of thinking, oh, well, especially with the wet mark and the cleaning of the genitals that we thought that, well, perhaps that this was kind of like an honor thing. Right. And after researching this, I, I, rather than leaning towards I think the parents did it, I'm actually more centralized now and could go either way with either I feel the parents did it or someone else entered the home. Someone who was familiar with the home, perhaps one of the three, if not all three, suspects that were mentioned before in that little ring, um, could have been responsible for this. 
I just because it says that they're just because the autopsy report doesn't show evidence of any semen and now mind you the vaginal swabs the the smears may not have been preserved correctly or even taken correctly. That's been noted on several documents that I've seen. Right, and I mentioned before that they yeah. do believe it was contaminated. They don't necessarily believe it was tampered with intentionally, right. but they do believe it was contaminated, so they don't know how reliable the test is that uh, there was no semen. Right, and I... You don't have to have, like, intercourse to be assaulted either. And because of the way that she is open, that's not to say, as we've learned in other cases, that other objects couldn't have been used or things like that. I mean, I'm just saying that there are more possibilities to a type of assault. The sexual assault angle just doesn't really make sense to me when you look at what then happened afterwards. Because if this were a sexually motivated crime... Yes, you may still try to clean up to mm-hmm. uh, avoid uh, DNA evidence being found. You're not going to try to dress her again, you know, to pull up the pajama bottoms and her underwear, cover her with the blanket, mm-hmm. cover her face. It There's just too much care taken here, mm-hmm. I think, for it to have been uh, a sexual assault gone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if if the motive is sexual and you're attempting to sexually assault or successfully do sexually assault and then she retaliates or resists, they're just not going to take that kind of care. Mm -hmm. Because it it just seems like loving and protective. And I know that that's like sick to say. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, when like behavioral analysis, when they look at these types of things, there's a lot of descriptors that they use that seem very disconnected from the crime that was committed. Mm -hmm. But these are those types of things. Right. And I mean, I do feel like there is strong evidence against the parents as well. Thinking about where the wounds are on Hemraj and Arushi, Arushi was obviously attacked from the front. She was more than likely laying down. If you think about it, she was hit over the head on her left eye. There are no defensive wounds. So she was probably laying down, maybe asleep. Who knows? And Hemraj was attacked from behind. He's hit on the back of the head. So was he... Did he see something? Was he running? Like, did he maybe hear a scuffle if Rajesh came in and attacked Arushi and he walked in to see what had happened and then ran out and was attacked? I mean, I, I think that that's a, a possibility. Additionally, the phone calls that went unanswered. Well, yeah, because then to say that the ringer had been turned off, but mm-hmm. he took the call from the U.S., well, the call from the U.S. happened earlier. Well, I know that it happened earlier, but it, he, it still did happen. So the ringer right. was on at that point. Well, right. And then um, Amnal says that when he called at 1130, the call was picked up. And so you would imagine that the ringer's not turned off at that point. Hmm. And Amnal did not speak with Arushi. No. and It's odd, though, that I couldn't find who he says he did speak to. Maybe whoever it was never said anything. The call did only last oh, see, 34 in seconds. In my notes, I, in the sources that I found, I have it that the call was not answered. 
Yeah, so, so according yeah, to the I phone records, what yeah, what I found on the phone records was that it was a 34-second call. And now Rajesh says he doesn't recall that, he doesn't know anything about that call. But for the call to have lasted 34 seconds, someone had to have picked up the phone. Because right. then Amnal does say when he calls again the landline, it's not answered. Yeah, so looking here on the postmortem report, the time of death is estimated to be between two and three hours following her last meal. And according to Sharma, the driver, he witnesses her sitting at the dining room table for a meal at 9.40 p.m. So let's just say she eats between 9.40 and 10 o'clock. That puts your time of death right between midnight and 1 o'clock, like we'd said before. And they were still using the internet at 12.08. Someone was still using the internet. Yeah, and phone calls were still coming through to the house around midnight. So this happened, like, right away. Was it because of this phone call? Like... And who was still awake? There's, uh, but there's just so many odd things, too. For Like, Nippur's father the next morning says that the house landline is out of order. Well, it wasn't out of order the night before. Right. He took the call from the U.S. We have these other calls, you know, coming in. Then the keys just, you know, all of the keys that are necessary mm-hmm. and important are just vanishing. Yeah, there are um, just so many factors that, so many odd coincidences that would have had to have lined up perfectly. Well, also, For why it to happen like that? There's, you know, they claim that the terrorist key is missing because the terrorist key was on Hemraj's keys. Mm. Why would your domestic help have the only key to your terrace? Right. I don't know. It just so many, so many very weird mm. little details. It just, there's no clean answer here. There's yeah. always something that's going to make whatever theory you may pursue. There's always something that's going to kind of ding at that theory. Right. It's just very weird. But there's something, we don't like to believe in coincidences when we talk about these types of things. Some of these things must be coincidences, though. It's the only way that everything fits together. Mm-hmm. But again, I just can't seem to rule out that someone else may have done this just based on the glasses that are in Hemraj's room. The phone call that he took at 8.30, was he expecting somebody well, and they, I definitely thought about that while I was doing the research, you know, like, oh, he, then he must have had somebody else and there. And someone could have entered Hemraj's room without entering the home because of the way we've described the doors. They can come in from the very first door and go straight into Hemraj's room without anyone else in the house ever knowing. He has outside access. So it is believable that someone could have come over. And it could have been any of those, any of the four witnesses that we discussed would have been familiar with familiar with the home. And, yeah, I mean, it seems likely to me for them to find these three glasses. You know, and then, again, they also found urine from more than one person in his bathroom. Mm-hmm. So it does seem likely that there may have been someone else there, but maybe that's the coincidence. He had someone else there, and that person ended up using the restroom before they left, and then that person was gone. And after he had... A couple of drinks with this person, he went inside to get the plate for dinner that he had made himself and stumbled upon something going on in Arushi's room. Mm. You know, I, it, the, that seems the most likely to be the coincidence. Yeah, I just can't wrap my head around a motive because I don't think for, on all accounts, a normal, loving relationship between father and daughter or mother and daughter that 
she gets a call from a boy at midnight and you kill her? It just, I mean... It's a very conservative culture and honor killings are a part of that culture. But they don't seem so super stuck in that way of thinking to me. They seem more like... They seem more modern people to me. That's just the vibe I get. I mean, obviously, I don't know these people, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel that way to me. I don't know, but he also, he also, in, you know, in a short time frame leading up to this all happening, he's having these incidents with employees as well. Mm -hmm. There, there just may have been something going on with him personally. We don't know what this call from the U.S. was about either. Mm -hmm. There could be financial issues there. You know, we don't have evidence that there were. But there could be. He was looking at stocks that night as well, mm-hmm. looking at uh, some you know things that had to do. Yeah, with Yeah, but dentistry. that's what I mean though. Like he's surfing the web one minute, his daughter is alive in there reading a book, and then within an hour of all of that, she's dead. It just like it, what happened? Like what could have happened to have, have triggered that response from her father? I'm just not. I can't comprehend that. If there are already these other stressors in his life otherwise Mm -hmm. and that was just what caused him to kind of break or to snap you know i'm not saying that it's super likely i'm just trying to what is what makes the most sense with Mm -hmm. the set of circumstances and the evidence that we have here the most sense seems that the the parents have to have been involved it's also weird to me that the mother's phone is shut off this whole night when it hadn't been turned off for two months prior Mm -hmm. But I don't see this being premeditated. That doesn't seem to make sense. The photos being deleted from the camera. You know, there is the argument to be made that Arushi is deleting them as they're taken because she's not happy with the photo. Right. There's also the argument that whoever it is is so comfortable that they went through the photos on the phone. And maybe there there was something in one of the photos that they thought may be incriminating or in a couple of the photos, and that's why they're being deleted as well. And it could be a combination of Arushi deleting some and whoever did this, deleting some. Mm-hmm. Because there were 18 out of the 23 deleted. I mean, I don't know. five photos left. I take 500 pictures and delete 499. I mean... That's just I'm just not that uh, full of myself, I guess. I don't take that many pictures, so... Wow. The, the last thing I could possibly fathom happening that would make Rajesh guilty would be that this did upset him or he was angry and... It was an accident. Not an accident that he hit her, but an accident that it killed her. So if he hit her, and like you'd said, Hemraj either hears a scuffle or just happens to be in the main house and goes, what was that? And then he goes, So he chases down the witness. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously, and then he's drinking some scotch afterwards. And then that would also, for me... Explain why Napoor would help him cover it up. Because Napoor loved her daughter, and, and, and I couldn't see her being a part of that. And, and not only that, she wasn't one of these wives who was completely dependent on her husband. She was a renowned dentist having right. her, you know what I mean? She, didn't, she doesn't need him for financial reasons uh, that, that we know of. I don't know, but then what doesn't fit into that version of events for me is then why clean her pelvic area i i don't know but that but that's what i but that's what i mean i feel like to me it seems 
I could see a sexual motive behind it. That's why I go more with, like, not an intruder, but one of one of the other suspects. It's just... I don't really know. It, the case. It, the most, it makes the most sense to me that the parents, or one of the parents, uh, is involved in this. The other would have to... Would be involved in the cover-up. Mm-hmm. You know, but then also, you have but, this guard saying that no one has left, but there's so many things missing from this crime scene. Either that, or they were cleaned really well, or a lot of evidence was missed. All of those are a possibility, just right. because of how botched the investigation Well, was. and no forced entry on any of the doors is exactly. also, you know, confusing. Things being latched from the outside. Mm. You know, then there's the whole question of, well, when the maid pushed on the outermost gate the first time, it didn't want to open. Right. Then she leaves, goes and gets these keys. There's a delay with Nippur dropping the keys down to her. Um, so then there's also, you know, that component did Nippur then go out there and unlock, so, you know, just so many mm-hmm. weird yeah. circumstances, And that's not even taking into frames. consideration, obviously, their reaction to all of this, which I actually don't really want to dive into because not only can you truly not, I mean, there are some like really outlandish reactions where you're like, that's really off coupled with a lot of other evidence. You could say they shouldn't have reacted that way, but you really don't know how they reacted because you're just going off of what people are saying. And most of it comes from just what the parents say about themselves. Right. And then on top of that, it is a completely different culture that I am not familiar with. So I'm not going to even pretend to have knowledge about how these things are handled over there. And, and that kind of thing, how they view death in general or stuff like that. I, I'm not going to try to speculate their reaction and, and that kind of thing. But I guess we could just go around and around with this. But there I was, gonna say, there I was, like a, con- there was a conviction, out. so we do have a verdict to make. So Yeah, but I feel, I feel like we're like spiraling out and we're posing a lot more questions than we're answering. Exactly. Which but is probably with the frustrating. evidence that we do have... And Rajesh and Nippur were both charged and later convicted. So I guess we should enter our deliberation room, our mind palace. <laughs> sure. Um, I I really feel like they they had to have been involved, mm-hmm. but there's just there's not enough there there. Mm-hmm. So if these are the two suspects or you know the two being tried the two accused in front of us i guess i have to vote not guilty because i can't say beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. that uh, that they are guilty but my gut tells me that makes the most sense there's something fishy going on there they were involved and i keep saying they were involved because what makes the most sense to me is that Rajesh did it and Nippur helped mm-hmm. to cover it up? Oh, but there's, there's no so like, weird... there's no question. It it's they didn't do it, or they both had right. a part in it. There's no in between on that. Yeah. So I don't, and I, I, you know, I can't make any solid argument as to how involved each one was. That's why I keep saying they, but they mm-hmm. were involved. Right. I agree that there's not enough evidence, and I have an incredible amount of doubt. So I would vote not guilty. There's a lot of doubt with everything. I mean, I, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to talk very much about even the way we were going to format this one before we recorded. Right. Because there's, 
so much to it and so many different avenues that we could have taken. So when I looked at each suspect, I thought about would I vote to convict this one if this is who we end up on or I couldn't vote to convict any of these people. There's no. not enough there. The Even the authorities believed the best evidence was against the parents. Mm-hmm. And then that had to be overturned. Yeah. Because that wasn't strong enough either. Yeah, and of course that silly motive that they had, that they actually took to trial. Well, I, mean, that just... I think I fixed that problem a little bit. For me, yeah. mine makes a little bit more sense. Um, I understand, obviously, the question marks that you have with that as well. Yeah. But... Yeah, that was just very outlandish. I think they were just grasping at the first thing. And unfortunately, they're, they have a few suspects, a lot of evidence, and I still somehow believe that this case will never be solved. I don't think that they, that they really care to solve it anymore either. I think to them, the parents did it. We had them convicted. Mm-hmm. We can't control the fact that it was then overturned afterwards they did appeal that but that's where it sits right now nothing else is being done but they i mean they can't do anything specifically about that they'd have to go through a court process yeah so so i don't think that they're going to be reopening any type of investigation they may try to fight that battle and and have them taken back into custody but i don't see that being very likely either right the facts of this haven't changed we didn't have any new revelations while we were looking into this you know stuff that came up years after questions i'm more confused now than i was when we even sat down i'm like okay i got this i know this case let's do this and now i'm just like i don't understand what's happening yeah we're also approaching uh 1 a.m while we're recording so i think we're both getting a little tired as well i know i just need something to like appear in front of me and be like this is what happened yeah but that's not gonna happen no not gonna happen well that was the case of uh, rishi talwar and hemraj banjade a uh, very confusing one. Unfortunately, I don't think either of them will receive the justice that either of them deserve. He seemed, by all accounts, to be a respectable, responsible man that was taking a job far away to help his family. And she yeah, working was, hard far away from his family mm-hmm. to support them. Um, and who cared and, and loved this young girl. And unfortunately, this young girl had her whole life ahead of her, and it was taken away. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the most important part of this, is that two people who deserve to be here just aren't here. And so what a cheery ending to this what episode. A, yeah, what a what a cheery ending. So remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe. We mm. currently have a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts Ooh, as we record which this. Which one of you lied? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so rate, review, subscribe, share yeah. this with your friends. We would love to hear from you, that allegedly podcast at gmail.com. And find us on our socials. We have the Facebook page going. Uh, We also have the Instagram and Twitter at allegedly underscore pod. Yeah. And we've heard from, you know, a few of you. And we appreciate that. And we, you know, we we like to interact with you. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from more of you. And please don't be afraid because we're like on episode, this is going to be what, six or seven? Whatever. Yeah, this is six. We're like. Yes, Nana, this is six. In the six, seven, eight. (laughs) episode territory but uh keep in mind like we still would love to hear comments about formatting and content if you've got cases for us throw them at us yeah don't be afraid to be like this isn't funny or it's (laughs) or it's too funny or it's too long or it's too short i mean it can't possibly there's no way it's too short yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) we'll throw that out right now tell us what you enjoy most about your favorite podcast so we can 
you know, make things enjoyable for you guys. So I think uh, that's a nice way to close this all up, and mm -hmm. we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Bye.